Amen. Amen. One of the verses that we quote a lot is this one out of the book of Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But do you know who the Lord spoke that to and then who was then speaking it to the people? The Lord spoke it to Nehemiah, the leader, the wall builder. But that statement was given by Nehemiah to the wall builders when they had enemies around them. It, it, the situation was so desperate that they would carry a, a, a trowel to, to smooth the concrete in between cement in between the bricks, but they would also have a sword girded to their side. It, it, was, a, it was a dangerous situation. It, it, you, would, you would think that the Lord would come up with something different to say than that. But he said, men, in the middle of a thick, difficult place, enemies all around, you just remember this. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Right where he has assigned you, there's joy. Right where he has put you in the middle of whatever may be going on that is frightening, that is um, that that has like they didn't they didn't have walls they couldn't protect themselves that's why they were having to build the wall. <laughs> but the Lord says to them, "I want you to know my joy. I don't understand this, but I have I have said to to Shirley and I've said to a few others there's something." going on in my heart during this time. There's an excitement. I, I, that's the only way I know to, to describe it. There's an excitement that some things are going on. Part of it is this. We were in a 40-day prayer challenge earlier this year. We came down toward the end of that. And of course, during the 40-day challenge is when this, this virus outbreak happened and just kind of blew up all over the world. Many of us had a sense that we need to continue. We need to go for another 40 days. I really believe what's happening is that God is in the process of answering our prayer to get the attention of ones we love, ones we've been burdened for, ones that there hadn't been a breakthrough in, in a long time, maybe many years in their lives. And, and, and look at this. Look at this, how things are being shaken in ways that, that this country has, has never really known. So, so much so, now, when they start telling churches that churches can't meet, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. This social distancing thing, scientifically, evidently, there's a, that's a part of the solution. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's the, it's the magnitude, the, 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 the size of, of this shutdown that is like this country has never known. For there to be the, 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 the financial diminishing in the ways that we're walking through right now. Thank God for the, the bipartisan act on Friday to get this stimulus package going. That, that will help many of you who, that are listening this morning, many small businesses, those who are employed. By, thank the Lord for that. But, but that, that is an, an attempt to help something that has already happened. 
the, the, the shockwaves that, that are, are going through our culture, that are going through the various institutions within our nation, it, 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 is, it is literally as if no one, no one, no one is escaping this shaking that's going on. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that something? We've been praying, Lord, whatever you need to do to get the attention of the folks we are burdened for who need to know you. Their lives are caught up in all kinds of things that are, that are peripheral, that really are shallow, that really are temporal. And we're asking you to do something to arrest their attention and to show them that their hope needs to be in Jesus, the, the solid rock, the anchor, instead of these other things that, that just seem to be in some ways vaporizing before. Church, church of the living God, rejoice. This is a time to rejoice. Our, our hearts go out our, our, as Shirley prayed. That, that's the cry of, of all of us, Lord. Heal the sick. Stop the, 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 the spread and the explosive nature of this spread of this virus and, and, and its impact upon on the young and the older and the, the, and the weak and, and even the ones that would seem to be very healthy and coming down. We're asking you in your mercy to, to do what is in your heart to do there. But Lord, we're also sensing that you're using this to raise some questions in the minds of folks that, that didn't ever have any question about how firm and solid their business approach was and what they had in, the, in retirement and on and on and on. The family of God, I just, I just feel like we need to be thanking the Lord for the things we can't see. Like, like that song that was just sung and, where the, it, and then was the backdrop for those doctors and nurses on the top of that. That's an awesome video of, of they're spaced out. They're not standing together, but the, this, they are just praying and they're worshiping and they're calling upon the name of Jesus to, to, to come down upon that place and to give them what they need and to heal and to bless and to protect. That, that's a, that is a powerful and wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and I, I, I hope you will take to heart that somehow in this, God is working to answer your prayers for folks you've been concerned about. As we've said often, everything we can see is temporary. Paul will say, everything that is visible is temporary. It's only the things that are invisible that are eternal the invisible parts of the souls of men and women. And the Lord's going for that. He's seeking and he's, he's working to save that which was lost. And I, I, I just, um, I, there's a big part of my heart with compassion and concern and burden for those that, that, that are, are facing the, not only the sickness, but are intending, hoping to care for the sick. Not, not only you know, the, the things related to the, the, the financial recovery and how, how we're going to feed the hungry and, and, um, and bills get paid and so forth. There, there is that part, and, and yes, that's true. But the Lord has always used seasons of difficulty, seasons of trial to open folks up to the, heart, to the love of Jesus and what he's able to do in their lives like, unlike any other time in their lives. It seems like, and you check your own personal history, it seems like the times that, that God can get our attention the quickest 
And, and the clearest is when things seem to get out of our control and we're having to trust him. So I, I want to I speak that word one more time. It is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. The Lord is not discouraged. The Lord is not frantically trying to figure out what to do next. It, it's interesting that in that season of, of real trial for the people of Israel, the Lord wanted them to know that he was joyful. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. So, Lord, will you bless us with that? Will you, will you help us to know you in that way? Isn't it, a, isn't it a blessing that one of the descriptions for the fruit of the Spirit, one of the aspects, that ninefold fruit of the Spirit, one of the second one listed, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of those, folks, all of those are ours as the Spirit of Jesus fills us. It's amazing that as Paul wrote those words, he, he didn't attach any kind of circumstantial environment to it, as if you're only going to know this when, when the government is in your favor, or you're only going to experience this, experience this when you're in good health physically, or you're only going to experience this when, when um, the struggles and trials are a long way off. He just said, this, this, here's the miracle of it. Here's the miracle of it, that no matter where you're standing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the circumstances are around you, that which is the evidence of the residual presence of Jesus by his Spirit in your heart is that you're going to know his love for you. You're going to know his joy in you, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, all of them listen. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, not necessarily the fruit of our flesh, not the fruit of our humanity, but just the residual effect of the inherent presence of Jesus inside us. We are instructed to pray, so Lord, as that is true, fill me with your Spirit. Let your Spirit cause your Spirit to take over my attitudes, my outlook, my, my memories, my, my attitude toward the future. Fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Amen. All right, now there, there are two or three things, and it's going to be more than that many verses of Scripture that I want to ask you to turn with me to this morning. That, that, that question, is there a word from the Lord? Is there a word from the Lord? Yes, there is a word from the Lord. There are many words from the Lord applicable to our situation. But I want you to find that passage in Hebrews chapter 2 that we looked at last week. And, and I want to read these verses again. I just can't get off of this. It is, that there's something about it that, that if we're being, we're, you know, the attempt is to just smother the world with fear, with fear, with fear. And it's primarily the fear of death, the fear of physical death, but the fear of death of business, the fear of death of livelihood, the fear of death of, of uh, life as we've known it. But look, look what this verse says, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. And if you don't, hadn't gotten this marked in your Bible yet, get, get you, a, get you a, a highlighter and, and, and make sure you can see this and know where these, where these words are in your Bible. Hebrews 2, 14. Since then the children share in flesh and blood, meaning their humanity, he himself, Jesus himself, Likewise, also partook of the same. He became a human. He wasn't 
He was God, the very God. But when it came time for him to be coming into this world as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, he needed a human body. Enter Mary and her pregnancy by way of the Spirit, implanting that embryo within her that was God becoming man. He wasn't man. He created man. But now, as the old song says, Christ, the mighty maker, would die for man the creature's sin. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death, his death, his death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives, who through fear of death, through the fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. In other words, the devil had the ability to hold the human race in slavery by use of the one tool, the fear of death, the fear of death, the threat of the fear of death, or here's how you can avoid death into some false hope as if on this earth, in this life, you can live forever if you do this thing, you do go these ways, or just the impending gloom of death is coming, and death is, death is awful, and, and um, you can't avoid it. Uh, hold on to that. Remember that one, but then also go to Revelation chapter, chapter 1, and John at the conclusion, not at the conclusion, but more toward the middle of, of his vision that would unfold uh, the rest of the book of the Revelation. It's, it's toward the end of his description of Jesus, the exalted Christ. But look, look at what he says in verse 17, Revelation 1, 17. And when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, the exalted Christ, I fell at his feet as a dead man, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. Jesus making it clear that he is the one who had accomplished the defeat of Satan in this area of who controls life and who controls death? When does death come and when does it not? Jesus is saying, in effect, we read from Hebrews chapter 2 that Satan used to have the power of death. But now we have the understanding because of the resurrection, because of Easter Sunday, because the grave couldn't hold him, because the tomb wasn't stout enough to keep him in it. Jesus came forth from the grave and he took away from Satan the keys of death and of hell. What that says to you, my brother and my sister, is you aren't going anywhere until the Lord Jesus says it's time for you to come home. And he uses the key of death as the way through which you will pass 
into the rest of your life, your best life, our best life in the presence of the Father, where there's no more mourning and no more crying and no more tears and no more death. The first things have passed away. We read that verse from Revelation 22 last week. Paul and other writers, but particularly Paul, made so much of this, and I just, I can't get off of it. I can't, I, I, the Lord won't let me leave this, this theme in the scripture. What is it like to live a life when you have no fear of death? It, it doesn't mean that everybody's wanting to go right now. We're going to try to get up a boatload and, you know, we're going to drive off a cliff somewhere and all of us go to heaven at the same time. It, it, it's not talking about that. It, it's not saying that, that there is no appreciation or no desire to, to live here in this life, stay in this life. But it is to say that, that for some, when somebody would threaten you with, with your life being taken or in, in the case of the early church, you deny Jesus Christ, you deny that he is Lord or you're going to, put to be put to death. Many of them, hundreds, thousands of them, went to their physical death because there was something greater at work in them than the fear of death. It was the absence of the fear of that kind of death, but the joy of realizing physical death just opens the door for the rest of my life. It's not the end of my life. It opens the door for the rest of my life. I want you to find, go, go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And let me read down through. This is on toward the, the, the end of Paul's life, not the very end. But it's, it's on toward those years where, where he, is, he is incarcerated. He's, he's imprisoned by the Rome, Romans. And, and he is there because... His, his ministry, his testimony of who Jesus was had become such a powerful thing and there were so many people turning to Christ, many of them poor, many of them impoverished in, in various ways, that, that they, were, they would turn to Christ and there would be upheavals in the cities where Paul would go because spiritual power would break out and folks would be getting set free and, and, and they would come to understand someone other than Caesar Jesus, instead, is Lord. He was willing to risk his life for the cause of Christ, folks, because of an absence of the fear of death. He went through one situation after another where his life was being threatened. And the enemy kept trying to throw at him, you do this and it'll kill you. You, you, you do this and, and, and your life will be taken. And he just kept right on going. Just kept right on going. Just kept right on going. How come? Why? How did that happen? I'm telling you, folks, it's because the spirit of the living Jesus had caused there to be within his heart an absenteeing of the fear of death, the fear of physical death. This is Philippians 1, verse 19. For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance. This, you're, and it goes on to say, through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus. As you pray for me, and as the Spirit of Jesus ministers to me, I'm confident that I'm not going to be in this jail forever, that there will be deliverance, there'll be rescue for me. Isn't that interesting? He was counting on, looking forward to, cherishing, rejoicing in the prayers of God's people. But then he was also 
rejoicing in and expecting, the, it says, the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the fresh filling of the Spirit of Jesus, the, the empowering of the Spirit of Jesus. It's interesting, provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, not just provision of the Holy Spirit as if there's no connection between the Holy Spirit and who Jesus is. Paul will say, understand this, the Lord, the Lord Jesus is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. There's freedom. Here he says, through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ, I believe I'm going to be delivered. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ shall even now, shall even now, he's in prison He's separated from those he loves. He, he's in a season, a, a setting of great deprivation and lack. But he says, I'm caught with all boldness. Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body. And then this phrase, whether by life or by death. Whether by life or by death, Jesus Christ, I'm confident in my expectation Jesus is going to be exalted in my life, whether it's in my body, whether I go on living in this life, or whether, or whether my life ends, my physical life ends. And look at verse 21, and here's why. For to me to live, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live right now is my relationship with Jesus. For me to live right now is enjoying the presence of my king. For me to live is for there to be the spirit of the one who keeps giving me strength alive in me. I can do all things, he would say, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through the one who's giving me strength. So it didn't matter to Paul what the assignment was or what the setting was or what the opposition was or what the impossibility was. What he knew was this. That the Lord who's put me here is the one who's giving me strength. Not will give, not has given, but present tense. He's giving me strength. He's giving me power. He was in jail. He was considered a, a worse than a common criminal. He had a capital offense attached to what Saul or what Paul was doing. But he said, This is what I know that the one. That the one who has assigned me is the one who's giving me strength. He puts it in this way, for to me to live is Jesus. For to me, life is life with Christ. <laughs> Amen. For to me to live is Christ. And then he says, to die is gain. In other words, living down here, it's living down here with the sense of Jesus alive in me. But to die means that I'm going somewhere that's better than down here. That I'm going to a place where there will be more possessions, more delightful to me. A setting more glorious and wonderful and satisfying to me than even what I have down here. For to me to live is Christ and to die when it comes, if it, when it happens, that's gain to me. Folks, you, you talk about the absence of of the fear of death, where Satan will try to say all there is is what you've got down here. You better keep what you've earned. You better hold on to what you've built. You better not let anything out of your grip. 
The fear of death loves that attitude, in fact, spawns that attitude. Because if I die, I lose all this stuff. I need to show you a verse. This is in Psalms. This is in Psalms. If I can find that verse. Where did I? Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Psalm 49. I had it marked. And then I dropped my Bible. You ever do that? Well, y'all don't mark your Bible like I do. That helps me turn faster. Here, here, here is the verse I want you to just hold on to. Psalm 49 and verse 10, starting in verse 10. This is a little-known psalm, but, but listen to how, to how the writer writes. For he sees that even wise men die. The stupid and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places will last to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names, but man in his pomp will not endure. He's like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of those after them who approve their words. He goes on to say, verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of hell. He'll receive me. Verse 16, do not be afraid when a man becomes rich. And he's speaking of an enemy who becomes rich in this sense with David. Do not be afraid when a man becomes rich. When, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, will you see this? Look at this in your Bible. For when he dies, this is Psalm 49, 17, for when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory, the weight of his earthly life, will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself, verse 19, but he shall go to the generation of his fathers, they shall never see the light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beast's that perish. Sooner or later, one way or the other, we leave this life. Satan and the power of death will lie like it's the truth. You build those buildings. You name everything after you. You count on the fact that you're going to be able to pass these things on to others and they'll all remember you. And the scripture just scripturally says, you can't take it. It's not going with you. And he would even say, you, you, leave, you will leave your inheritance to ones who come after you. And who knows what those who come after you will do with what you so were so hard to build. Folks, the good thing about this is that the Lord with ones who have ears to hear is just sending shockwaves through that human logic, through the devil's logic. He, he's, he's forcing ones who would see to realize that financial wealth, property, various streams of incomes, whatever you want to call it, investments, shaky place of trust, unfounded spot to anchor your hope and your future in. What the scripture will say about it, has already spoken, it can 
go through your hands quickly. But in America for all these years, and you talk about when the thing, when, when this would be tested, when the stock market is at 29,000, highest it's ever been in the history of our country. And then in just a matter of a few days, it seemed like, there had been this calamitous drop. And as a result of that, and other things related to the fear, the things that had been the anchors of trust and confidence and security have been hit at the knees, if not almost completely taken out. What, what, again, what, what that is saying back to the church, to the church, I hope you're finding within you as a follower of the Lord Jesus that somehow you just don't seem to fit the culture right now. When the culture is freaking out and the culture is trying to figure out what do we do and how can we stop. Yes, we need to follow wisdom. Yes, we need to pursue safety. But the Lord Jesus Christ has not given you a spirit of fear, phobos, have phobias about everything. That's the word. But he's given us his spirit of love, loving God, loving people, loving mercy, love and power, power and a sound mind. When everything else is showing weakness, the church of the living God, first per, the person filled with the spirit of the Lord Jesus is to be and can be walking in power. Power above, power above the torment of fear. Power above the question mark, well, what does this mean? Where is this going? When the Lord has taken, <laughs> taken the spirit of death, the fear of, fear of death out of your heart, and he's filling your heart, here, here's the deal. It's not going to matter. It won't be as super, a massive, huge, big deal that they haven't figured out a vaccine yet. We're praying for that. And that, that other things have not come in line. But the point is, even if this is it, even if this is it, our confidence is that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me or she who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live again. Coronavirus can kill me if the Lord allows it. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We don't know exactly what it was that took Lazarus down, caused him to die. He was sick for those days. John chapter 11, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, come quickly. Jesus took his time getting there because it was more important that he raise a dead man than to heal a sick man. But when he got there, it was in that setting that he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, Though he dies, yet shall he live again. They took Jesus to the tomb. He said, roll back the tomb. And they, they, they resisted because he had been dead for four days. But they did it anyway. <laughs> and what did Jesus do? He looked into the tomb, into the, if he could see the corpse, or into the darkness anyway, and he said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And they said, I don't know how long the dramatic pause was, 
But eventually, and probably not very long, here comes this corpse wrapped like a mummy, waddling his way out of the tomb. Jesus saw him and said, and I love that statement, loose him and let him go. Lazarus was no longer dead because Jesus had a greater power than the power of death. He has the power of life. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it super abundantly. What he said then, he says today, and it's true, and it's now. And it's ours to rejoice in and ours to be blessed by. And folks, listen, it's ours to share. Listen, it's not just what we say with our lips. It's the countenance that we have with our, on our faces and, and the attitudes that we carry. If we're walking in hopelessness, folks are going to know we're walking in hopelessness and we won't be like anybody else that's talking on TV or anybody else that's walking through the society. But when there really is a sense, a quickness in our step, and a sense that this isn't going to last forever, but that even if this is the end, I've already made provision for my next stop. Jesus spoke the word and I've received it. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me, but everybody can get there when we come through Jesus. I, Shirley and I have talked about this over these last few days. I, you know, it's the beatenest thing. Sometimes you get around Christians and there's so much whining and moaning and then they get to talking about, Pastor, Pastor, will you tell me where this fits into the eschatological calendar of the end times? What part of this, what, 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 you know, what vial are we talking that we're open? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know and there's no doctor high voltage in some theological teaching somewhere that knows either. We don't know where we are on the continuum from the time that Jesus came and the time that he, he comes again. But the point is, the point is that we are called to trust him. We're called to believe him, that he wants to minister to us and strengthen us in this, in this season. And we, we get, we've just been tickled. You know, you, you hear some of this stuff and Christians being the most discouraged and the most downhearted and talk, get talking about the end times and even get more discouraged. Take, take a trip. If, if that's where you go to H-E-B. <laughs> go, just go to H-E-B. We've never seen anything like it. I, I don't know where in the world that culture comes from, how they got that. You walk up to that place, and here comes somebody who's been an executive somewhere who decided to come out of the ivory tower of the, of the offices and down there pushing shopping carts, and she's wiping the thing off so you don't get somebody else's germs. And then you walk in through there, and you're greeted with smiles, and you've got bright eyes, and they're glad to see you, and thank you for coming, sir, and how can I help you, and all of that sort of thing. I'm telling you, you when you can't get encouragement from the church people, go to H-E-B. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. I, I, I know it does. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere, somehow, where the spirit of death and this over, this all-encompassing negative fear makes its way into God's people. It is of Satan. It is not of Jesus. Jesus would say, I am the resurrection. So even if death comes, but then, but then it is also that reality 
a reality. No matter where we are on the continuum of this, are we about, are the end days, the tribulation about to come, rapture about to happen? Regardless, here's the fruit of the Spirit. The love of Jesus inside you. The joy of Jesus pulsing through your veins. His peace that passes all understanding. His patience. His kindness. His goodness. So, Lord, what, what, the, the disciples, and Lord, is this the time? Is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember that in Acts 1? Is this the part in the eschatological window of things? Is this when that's going to happen? What did Jesus say? It's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed in his own authority. But here's what you will have. You will be baptized with power when my spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses here, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He didn't, he didn't try to fit into their eschatological plan. He just said, here's what you need. You need my power inside you. And the Lord will take care of the big picture items. But right now, for the little steps that he's wanting us as his people to make, we walk in the power of his spirit, the power of the risen king, loving us, encouraging us, taking away the fear of death. If this is it, so what? We just get there sooner. <laughs> we just get there sooner. We just get there sooner. Okay, now let me shift gears here just a little bit. Back to that statement we made earlier about this not being some of your first rodeo. And I believe this. So I'm praying you, the, the, the Lord will allow you to let this in. To let this in. This, this is the first time we have ever collectively or individually seen anything like this on a global scale. But folks, some of you have seen this kind of thing before. Your, your worst nightmare would have been a divorce. What you would have a hard time seeing how you could ever live through is if there was reorganization on the corporate structure of your company and somewhere or another you were moved out. Or, or there, was, there was some diagnosis with a prognosis of a medical situation that would just change your life, would just alter so much. But look at you. Look at you. You're not a rookie in the Lord's army. You're a veteran. And I'm telling you, it's time for some veterans to stand up and in the face of this fear, declare the word of your testimony. They overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not even unto death. They overcame the devil, the spirit of fear, in our case, by the word of their testimony. 
by the word of their testimony. To look back through the seasons in your life. Our problem is, folks, as humans, we we can forget those things. We get out of them and we move on to the next and and, and we we don't cherish those things the way the Lord would want us to cherish them. He doesn't waste the sufferings of his people. He doesn't waste the sorrows of his people. He was showing you something then. He was revealing something to you about him, but also about you in that season. They were powerful times, but they were also desperate times. When you didn't know how you were going to feed your babies, you you didn't know what was going to happen to keep a roof over your head. You, you didn't know the things that seem to be so pressing in right now because of this, this virus. You have been there before. You've walked down those roads before. The God who was faithful to you then, who rolled up his sleeves and wrapped his hands around you and brought you out, is the same God who's at work in your life today. I hear an amen out there somewhere. I hear it. Would you find Romans? Romans chapter 8. And we'll stop with this. Romans chapter 8. Okay. This is for the veterans. Now look, if you're a new believer... You hadn't known the Lord long. You're young, maybe chronologically, but you're, you're young just in your time with the Lord. Maybe you've lived a number of years, but you haven't known the Lord young. Find yourself a veteran. Find somebody who has known the Lord a while. They can tell you some things. They're not going to tell you about what might happen or what could happen. They will talk to you about what God did in their life. We say this often around here. Jesus isn't just the one that we, we cry out to to save us from our sins through his death on the cross. That is the greatest salvation. That's the permanent salvation. But, but he specializes in keeping on rescuing us and saving us and delivering us. There'll be times when we find ourselves overwhelmed with the trouble in this life. Jesus would say, you're going you're to have strife and trouble in this world, but you be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Therefore, we cry out unto Jesus to rescue us from these places where the world seems to have snared us. And he does. He won't keep everything away. He, he doesn't deliver us from everything, but he will deliver us through everything. Sometimes you got to ride the storm out. Sometimes you got to go through the divorce. Sometimes you got to go through the change in company. Sometimes you got to go through the medical situation. But we know this is true. We have been taught that this is true. Romans 8, 28. And we know. That means we have learned. We, 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 we have been convinced that this is true. This isn't a word that just speaks of knowing as if two plus two is four and knowing that Abraham Lincoln was a president once upon a time. This is about about personal knowledge. This is about 
the evidence having been brought your way. You see the evidence. You are convinced of its truth, and you embrace it. And we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. This is not a promise for the human race in general, that God's just going to work everything to good for everybody. Look at how it's stated. Don't don't make the Bible say something it doesn't say. But to ones who love him and who are desiring to pursue the purpose that he's given them for their lives, to those, this is what we see. This is what is observable. This is what is measurable in its ability to convince. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Don't let the Bible say, don't try to make the Bible say something. It's not saying God causes all things. It's saying that he's big enough. He's bigger than the all things that can happen. And he's bigger in this way. He can even take the all things inclusive of the negative, hard, cruel things and cause even those things to work together for good (laughs) in the life of somebody who loves him and in the life of someone who's called according to his purpose. All things, all things, the things I've just mentioned, business, medical, personal, Those things that happened that you didn't want to happen, that you were trying to keep everything for that to ever happen. But it happened. Now as you look back on it, you realize that even though all things happened, God was bigger than what Satan was intending to use to destroy you, to ruin you, to carry you away. That you have found as time has passed that God in his amazing way has woven good, good into the memory of that situation and the outcome of that, of that situation. His power to take what is evil and even use that which has been used for evil, meant for evil, and turn even that very thing for good. Whose testimonies do you want to hear? Whose war stories do you want to hear? Do you want to listen to some some professor writing about the potential of various possibilities of war outcomes? Or do you want to hear somebody who has been in the thick of it, who has been through the battle, who has known the pressure and the weight and the fire of the enemy and even wounds, but to be able to rise up and say, but the battle was not the end of the story. God was at work in my life. God spared me. The enemy tried to take me out, but the Lord did not allow the enemy to have his way with me. I'm here speaking to you, you would say, because Jesus in the power of his might and his wisdom to be able to be beyond the immediate circumstances, his wisdom to be able to weave great good and rich good out of those very circumstances in my life.
folks. Same God, different setting. Same rescuer, same faithful father, different setting. You get your eyes off of Goliath and keep your eyes on the Lord of glory. And the perspective is as it ought to be. Diminished Goliath and exalted God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Standing in the middle of everything we're standing in the middle of. Thank you, Lord. You are here. You are able. You have a plan. You've been with me all this time up to this point, and you are with me today. And I trust you. You know, I, I just, that, that picture of those doctors and nurses and and text standing around the roof of that hospital with their hands lifted, praising, trusting, asking the Lord. But I'm telling you, I believe they were there with it in their heart. Lord, thank you that you were here. Thank you that we're not by ourselves. Thank you that you're going to bring deliverance and rescue and breakthrough. Thank you. Oh, folks. This isn't the time for the church to be hunkered down and scared and trying to hold on to everything. It's still true. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shake. You need some encouragement? Give some encouragement. You need some provision? Give out of what you have. Give and it shall be given. All of that is about trusting him. Believing that he really meant what he said. He wasn't just making up words to entertain us in a bedtime Bible story. He means it. And I'm telling you, I, I, I believe that those who walk in trust and faith, I believe that there are going to be some seasons of unprecedented blessing to come, even materially, upon those of you who will continue to trust and believe and honor the Lord with that which he's blessed you with. He, he is not limited by anything that the world is limited to. He has the power to command the blessing. You remember that in Deuteronomy 28? He can command the blessing. And the one who commands the blessing is the one who stepped out on nothing and said, let there be, and every light in the universe turned on. Mm. These, these are great days for the church. These are great days to lift up our Savior. These are days to be expecting that folks who have never had questions, who have never opened their hearts up to, to uh, want to probe the deeper things of what it means to walk with the Lord or, or what it means to know Jesus, for us to be expecting that God is using this in their lives, we need to be ready to give a reason of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear, as Peter writes. It's coming. Good days. Powerful days. Days of blessing, days of victory, days of breakthrough. Amen. Lord, I ask you, I ask you, I ask you by the power of your spirit to just wash over us now, to wash over us, to fill us, to drench us, Lord, with your spirit in a fresh way. Lord, we're humans, we are humans, and we can't, we, we, we can't jettison the flesh and all that it can bring to war against our spirit on our own. 
But Romans, and Paul wrote, if by means of the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall live and really live. Lord, that's what we want. Fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Protect us, Lord. Protect our babies. Protect our older folks, Lord. Protect folks with, with challenged medical conditions. Protect any and all of us in healthy conditions from this virus, we pray. But through it all, Lord, Open our eyes to what you're doing and open our eyes to the opportunities that you are setting before us. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Bless your people in the name that is above every other name. Now, wherever you are, by yourself or with a small group, I want you to speak his name out loud with me. The name Jesus. Will you speak it again? The name Jesus. And one more time, the name Jesus. Realizing what his name means. Rescuer. Deliverer. Savior. Restorer. Jesus. 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 Lord, I want to thank you for the technical abilities that you've blessed us with to be able to be together as a family today. I want to thank you for these cameras and thank you for the lights and thank you for the, the iPads and, and, and uh, iPhones and smart TVs and all that are out there, Lord, that you're, we're able to be together and rejoice in your presence and hear your word. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.